Welcome to Equiosity, a podcast about all things equine with a special emphasis on the horse-human bond. My name is Alexandra Kurland. I'm the author of Modern Horse Training and many other books and DVDs about clicker training. And I'm joined by Dominique Day, one of the co-founders of Cavalia. And today, Dominique, you've brought a list of topics, questions, things that we can chew on that I think you're drawing from the online clinics that we... From from the clinics, from the course, from the book. I mean, they kind of all complement each other. Yes. And so it's not a surprise that, you know, I have things from all three, actually. Ah, um, and and I, I can probably identify where each topic which one of the three inspired me <laughs> i want to i want to start with tying horse tie we've never talked about this on the podcast and the other day i saw something on social network someone had posted something and there was a comment a really like i wouldn't say a pretty aggressive comment about the fact that we should never tie our horses, that it's really dangerous, that it was a no-no. And I think during the same week, I just opened the course and for some reason, I just ended up on a discussion where you addressed horse tying. And I thought, oh, that's so interesting, you know, because I think it's important to make nuances on this topic. Yes. And yes, it's true, accidents can happen. I think it's not something just trivial to tie your horse. You don't just tie a horse. There are certainly many security issues and starting with the teaching yes. of the tying. Yes. Because, you know, we've all heard of the method where you just tie a horse. And I've seen this in my many trips around the the planet with Cavalia, you know, you just tie a horse to a post and you just let it go into extinction. No. And that's and not that's not what trainers at Cavalia were doing. It's you and no, you no, 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 no. We were well we didn't we actually right. we we bear well sometimes we did actually tie the horses inside just before the show. Yeah. We would tie them around it, the bar. When you were you might be visiting a barn and some, yeah, know, yeah, that was during yeah, a yeah. visit. Yeah, yeah, and it was actually pretty traumatic to me because yes. the horses were in the sun, and there was—I don't think there was even any water. But anyway, I was a little so bit traumatized it's, it's by a, it. There's a name for that, I think. When we talk about modern horse training and what mm. what constitutes modern horse training, and this would be one of those for me. The world divides. So if fine horses means that you teach the horse to tie by tying it tight to a post and letting it bite until it gives up or tying a horse to a tree, which I've heard of, you know, and, mm. and let then that's 19th century training. Mm. That is not modern horse training. That would be example, non-example. Mm. With modern horse training, one of the principles is you can't ask for something and expect to get it unless you've gone through a teaching process to teach it to your horse. And mm -hmm. that's the key of have you taught your horse the, to stand tied if standing tied is something that you're going to need in repertoire. So when that person is saying, oh, you should never tie a horse, it's like, well, 
what has been your experience that makes you so adamantly opposed to teaching a horse to stay on a tie? Well, you know, you hear things like, because I think one of the issues sometimes when you have a horse tied, not inside the barn, because, you know, the cross ties probably, I mean, I'm sure there are still accidents with cross ties, but, uh, you know, if you tie a horse to a wooden fence, let's say that fragile wood plank, is that a word in English? Yes. yes. And there's a scare and the horse just pulls and the, the wood breaks. That can be quite a mess. Or you've tied the horse too long and he managed to entangle either his leg or his head under and around the lead rope. That can be a mess as well. So I think there are different layers to this. Right. You know, I mean, there's what kind of a knot do you do? Do yeah. you know how to do an emergency knot or a quick release knot, uh-huh. I should call it? Right. Do, are, are you using you... a halter that is a breakaway? Right. And, you know, because time can be different things. I tie my horses. When I'm in the summer paddocks, I'm very far from the barn. And because I have two places where I will groom them, sometimes I groom them in the shelter and I have like a rope that closes the shelter so that I can have one horse at a time. But sometimes I, for some reason, I I take the horse out and I tie the horse to the wood fence, but I'm there. You know, I'm right there. It's just that I want to have it's too close to the road for me to ask them to just ground tie because they ground tie pretty well. But just just if, if there were like a 1% chance yeah. of them being scared of something or I, I can't take that chance because the road is too close. But I'm, I'm right there. There are lots of reasons why we and lots of occasions in which we would want to tie a horse. So it's a good life skill I to have, so. you know, and, and furthermore, if you, it's one of those things that suppose for whatever reason, you pass your horse on to somebody else, you sell your horse, mm. you know, whatever. And the people expect the horse to tie because mm. horses tie. If you've never taught your horse, that's when you could have a train wreck because the horse doesn't have that skill. But there are lots of reasons to talk. There, if there's an emergency, you know, or there's something happens. And yeah. so, like you say, I think it's a good skill for a horse to have. Right. And like any skill, you teach it. You right. don't expect, you don't throw the horse and you don't just tie the horse and you just leave them there for three hours. You know, for me right now, when I tie my horses, like I said, I'm right next to them. I may go a few steps into my grooming kit and come back, but I'm really, really close. And I'm very good at doing a quick release knot. So, you know, I could undo this knot in in a second, but I might want to grow it more. You know, right now they will stay on tie close to me for easily 20 minutes while I do their feet and I groom them and I do this and that, but I've never left them unattended you know, tied, of course. Right. And and maybe 
maybe you could, you know, sometimes you see people, they travel with the horse, they have the horse tied to the van. You see that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, 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 and I've seen horses stay there and be super calm. Yeah. And it's just part of their life to be tied like that. But the people who did that, they knew how to do a quick release. They knew how to not make the the rope too long or too short, but mostly I would say too long. And obviously there was a teaching process. Yeah. And you, you hope that it was a, a horse-friendly teaching process. Yeah, I you know, know when, when I boarded the horses, when you were grooming them in the barn aisle, the expectation, the rule was that the horses had to be on cross ties. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there are all these environments, these situations where the norm for the community is that you tie a horse or mm -hmm. the norm for the community might be that the horse is on a single tie or the horse is standing on a mat, depending on the, the mm -hmm. community. But I think tying is a useful skill. And I think for me, the, the queen of tying is, is, of course, Panda, because mm. that was that was her job. Was, right. you know, that part of her job as a guide is that there would be periods of time where she would need to be just quietly waiting while Anne was busy doing something else, and she would be left on a tie. And when I started bringing her to the barn, which was basically as soon as she came to me. So she was nine months old and she was traveling with me in the evening when I went to visit the, the big horses. So once I was starting to introduce her to ties, so she had basic skills already in place. I had introduced her to the basics of how to soften and yield to the pressure of the lead. So if yeah. she were to pull back, she would know how to respond to a lead it would yeah. not cause additional panic yeah because if you don't have that don't go to tying you know you should make sure that the horse is really soft and will follow right um, the lead and yeah. will not yeah. resist you know if there's will not pull and right if she come up against the pressure of the lead that would not have have caused panic and mm -hmm. so at night I would put her on a tie and I was right there. So she was in the aisle and I would have her stand on the tie for just a very short period of time. And initially it was a very short period of time. And mm -hmm. then I would take her off the tie and put her into one of the big horses stalls. And mm -hmm. she would spend the bulk of the evening in the stall. And gradually we just lengthened out the amount of time that she was spending on the tie versus the amount of time that she was spending in the stall. And at first, when we were ready to go into the arena with the horse, we would put her into a stall. So she was never unattended uh, on a tie. Yeah. But after a while, she just spent the evening on mm. her tie. She would take mm. naps. You know, she would, the big horses would, would come in and they'd walk past her and they'd stand near her and she would ignore them. And she just was completely at ease, mm. comfortable on a tie because that duration had been built so slowly mm -hmm. over a period of time. And mm. I think that's the big key, that you're building 
the duration. You're taking your time to build mm. the duration. And you're, you're, in a sense, you're putting the time to work. There was a, a reason to step away from her. You know, so she, I would put her on a tie and then I would bring out one of the big horses and I'd be busy with the big horse. So she was getting the experience of, I'm on a tie, but I don't have to do anything. Mm. And I think sometimes, even when you're grooming a horse and they're on a tie, in a sense, what you're saying to the horse is, I'm not really expecting anything from you, except for you to stand quietly. So it's sort of like being at the beauty salon mm -hmm. where we're going to, you know, make your mane look all pretty and groom you and make you look all pretty, but you can just hang out and take a nap. So it's not the kind of activity where there's an active conversation going on between the two of us. So you can treat the tie in that way where the mm -hmm. horse can just sort of go, okay, I'm just going to daydream for a little bit while the mm -hmm. person grooms me. Or you can have more of an interactive conversation. Anne always had a much more interactive conversation when she was grooming her horses. That was, the grooming was, was very much a, a conversation between the two of them. But it, I think it depends on what kind of groomer you are. But Panda now, She's just she's just super. So when she's in her little house, her barn, there there's no ring, there's no place where she is hooked to something that could really hold her. We just hook the the end of the lead over a little. It's it's the little hanger that you hang the halters on. So you just hook the end of the lead over that. If she if she pulled back or did anything, it would come off. Right, right. And she's not actually attached to anything. Mm -hmm. But as far as she's concerned, oh, I've got a lead on. Okay. On the wall. I'm tied. She would stand there for hours that way. Mm -hmm. So you can you can very much build tremendous duration. You can do it safely. You can do it so the horse is at ease. And I think it's an important skill to teach the horses. And there are ways of teaching it. You know, you can if you have a horse that stands on a mat, for example. Say, say I had a horse who had had bad experience, a, a bad experience in a wash stall. I would not introduce tying there. There, mm -hmm. I would choose an environment where the horse was comfortable. You could teach the horse to stand on a mat and use the mats as part of the tying experience. You can. You would absolutely teach horses to back off and come forward in response to lead rope cues. We had a, it was an interesting, I just had a lesson day a couple days ago. And one of the horses, an older horse, he's in his 20s. And he was a show horse forever. And his previous owner really one of those situations where she really just rode him without really showing concern for what it was doing to his body. That's mm. the easiest way to put it. But he tends to travel very low-headed. He keeps his head 
much lower than we would like to see. So during this lesson, uh, what, I, what we did is we had him stop and, and I, I took him for a few minutes just to get a feel for how this would work. But we had him stop and I used the food delivery to lower his head. And then I took the slack out of the lead. So I picked up on the lead rope. So the lead rope is basically perpendicular to the ground and there's no slack in the lead. And I waited. And what I was waiting for was for him to bring his head up. And as soon right. as I felt any up, I clicked and I fed him low. So okay. I used the food delivery to lower his head. So normally, normally when we're feeding him, we would feed him so he's picking up and he's he's lifting up from the base of his neck. But in this case, I fed him low and I picked up on the lead and I waited. And when he lifted up, click, feed low. Within no time at all, because he's a very clever horse, he, he had caught on and he'd start to take the slack out and his head is popping up and, and he's really lifting his head up and it's just beautiful. So he's learning to move off of that downward pressure. So, and we did it just at the halt because he's not ready to ask for it within the walk. In the walk, he, he puts his head down and he just kind of tanks forward. He's not ready yet for us to ask him to pick his head up. This will prep him for that. So this is similar to the teaching of the tie. If a horse were to walk forward and put pressure, you know, to, to step forward, say he's, he's on a tie or he's on cross ties and he steps forward into the tie, will he then back off of that? Does he understand how to do that? So you teach that and, and you, you teach it before they're tied. Take the slack out. Ah, oh, you backed up. Great, click and treat, and you just teach it in whichever direction you need him to go. And then when you do tie, one of the techniques that I learned a long time ago from Linda Tellington Jones was you have the lead that's it's attached to the halter. You run it through the tie ring in the wall, and then it comes back to your hand. So the horse isn't actually tied. If he were to pull back, you've got the lead rope in your hand and you can give him whatever slack is needed so he doesn't pull back and, and collapse. And then once you feel confident that he's comfortable being tied, then you would then have the lead rope, have what it, use a, a regular tie that goes to the ring. But again, you're, you've got quick release halters, you've got the quick release snaps, you've got safety built into it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think too, it's a different skill for a horse to be tied when you're there and when you're not there. Now I remember years ago, that was even before I adopted him, I think, I saw Bonanza the he wasn't cross ties for the farrier. Was fine, 
you know, all throughout the session with the farrier. But then the farrier left him on the cross tie and he was just like, we were all just like, I don't know, 10, 15 feet behind, but there was no longer anyone tending to him. Mm. So it was like, I well, you know, I'm not going to try and imagine what went through his head, but what I saw was he started to pull and he actually got out of his altar, but wasn't a good thing. So he was fine on the cross ties while the farrier was standing to him, but he was not fine if the farrier would let him leave him there unattended. So it's, you know, it's different skills. It's a different, it's, it's. For the horse, it's not the same. Right. Well, it's, it's, you know, it's just like teaching any level of, of distraction, you call it. Your dog comes to you in the kitchen, but maybe not in the living room. Your dog comes to you out in the front garden, but not when the neighbor's walking the dog past, you know, a dog wow. past the, or a squirrel's running. So you're, you're always training to what are the environmental conditions that you need this skill to be solid in. Well, the other example would be ground tying. You know, your horse, your horse may be really good at staying there when you're next to him. But if you start to move around him, he's, he's, he thinks he thinks because you're because there may be some you may need more clarity in your cues or you may need to build, you know, the distraction and the distance yeah. my because to follow you. Am, am I, I supposed, supposed to? to follow? Yeah. Right. So if you're going to clean your horse's foot, how do you let him know that this is not you're not to follow me? Because there are other times when you do want him to follow um, you. So you you need to have clear cues, yes. but then you also need to teach it like that, where you know you you have to separate the distance and the duration. They're like different things. And for um, both, whether the horse is ground tied or whether he's on a tie, I need to say, you're on a tie, but now I'm going into the tack room to get the saddle. Mm -hmm. And I'll be right back. Or mm -hmm. I'm going over here to get more treats because I've run out of treats in my pocket and I'll be right back. Right. Or I'm, you know, there are all these reasons why you would be stepping away from your horse as a as just part of the the grooming process. And the more you actively use the behavior, the more the duration will evolve. So if I am grooming my horse in preparation for tacking up, I am going to have to step away to go get my bridle. I am going to have to step away to go get the saddle pad, the girth, the, you know, the, to go get my hard hat, to change my boots, you know, whatever it is. There will be lots of opportunities for me to step away. And what I may find is today when I've stepped away to get my bridle, that somebody else is there who asks me a quick question. And I'm going to be keeping an eye on my horse from a distance, but maybe I'm a little bit longer going back to him. And this is how they learn. Mm. But so I'll tell you what my cues are to let my horses know the different, some of the cues that come to mind, and maybe you can share yours. One of my clear cue for them to part, to ground tie, 
is to throw the lead over yes. delicately over their yes. withers. So that means you're staying there, your park. That's a very clear cue. Yeah, I mean it's because I the only time I will do this is when I want them to park. So that's one way I share. Sometimes I don't have the lead because I'm in the box. Let's say it happens. Some most of the time I won't clean the feet in a box because I think it's not very. It's not nice for them, right. but sometimes for logistic reasons in the barn, there's no other place for me to do it. And so I will do it there. And I, or sometimes I'm alone in the barn. And so when I'm alone in the barn, I don't put halters on. I just right. get them from their box. They follow me. We go in the wash stall. I won't tie them. I just do what I have to do. And I bring them back and they follow me everywhere. So, but if there's someone as a courtesy to other people, I will either park them like that, or if there's no room, I'll stay in the box. But then how does the horse know not to move if I'm going to clean their hind, you know, I mean, obviously, right. if I clean the first foot, that's already a cue that I'm going to the hind leg afterwards, right? Right. I mean, because they know I will do they all know four. The pattern. They know the pattern, but let's say for some reason, I just want to check the, the the hind foot and I didn't do. So one way I would let my horse know that he's not to move is with my clicks. I'll just like start the movement and I'll click him right away. And it says to him, and I'll do like, so it may take two clicks you know, where I'll do the initiation of I'm going there, but I don't want you to come with me. And I'll just click. And they seem to get it, you know, so they understand that, oh, okay, she's clicking me for staying here. Because the, the click itself can give cues yes. to your horse yes. as to what is the hot behavior right now. Yeah, so it gives you time to let your horse know what's next. Or or we'll do this, let's say, if for some reason it's unclear, then I will do this a couple of times and they get it right away. Oh, okay, she doesn't want me to move. She's clicking me for staying no. still. So that's one way I'll use it. What are ways you let them know? What kind of cues do you use to let them know? I mean, there's so many things we do with our bodies that probably right. we're not even aware of that they catch on, but are there any deliberate cues that you use, like the parking one with the lead over the wither? Or... So I definitely use the, the lead over the wither. And when I'm teaching and people are putting the lead over the, the withers, then one of the things I like to make sure is that when they walk off, that they unpark the horse. Because it's really, mm. you know, oftentimes mm. people will leave the lead rope over the horse's back because you know they're only going to go a short distance or they're they're working mm -hmm. on them no, they're ruining their cue and, and it's just a it's just for whatever reason it feels easier to them to leave the lead rope over the horse's back but then mm. it doesn't have that lovely clarity of mm. you know you are parked now so yeah so if you're going to use the lead rope to mean that you want to be consistent. consistent yeah. So that, that's one of the keys. And I think the environment definitely is, plays a part in it. So mm, when the horses part. are in the barn aisle and I got a brush in my hand, they know to stay put and 
The grooming kit is a big cue. <laughs> the grooming kit is a big cue. Mm -hmm. So, you know, all of these things evolve over time from the formality of I am teaching you to stand still, whether that's on a mat or just in grown-ups or on a tie where you are going through a formal teaching process. And then gradually it just becomes routined into sort of the daily conversation that you have with the horses and you understand them, they understand you and the cues become more conversational. So that's a very nice segue to my next. Um, yeah, because that, that came from this, this next topic came from coaching session. So we had someone was teaching their horse to go from mat to mat. And she gave the cue to the horse to walk off with her. But then she just walked off. Ah. She didn't wait for the horse. And so there was this, this very nice conversation about the importance of waiting for your horse. Well, first of all, to give the cue when the horse is ready to receive it. And then once you give the cue to get into the habit of waiting for your horse to start moving, otherwise you're out of sync. Right. The horse is lagging behind and you're already, you know, off to the other mat. So I thought that was a, that was a nice little segment during that coaching session. Yes. And it's an important piece because everything is everything else and we're always prepping for the future and you're creating components that are going to come into play later mm. so we'll just start off with the simplicity of it you know what you're going to do so if you're take the horse out of it but you are going for a walk from mat to mat to mat and you know that you are going to walk off now. You're going to walk four steps and you are going to stop as you get to the next mat. You know you're going to do that. But now you've got a partner who doesn't know what you're going to be doing. And they, if they have all the, the goodwill in the world, they would like to stay with you. But you're ahead of them in the thing. So you walk off. And if you just walk off abruptly, they're going to be left behind because they don't know that you're about to walk off. And when you stop, especially if you do it abruptly, they don't know that you were going to stop. And so they keep going. And then they see that you've stopped and they slam on the brakes and maybe if they're the if it's a horse the front end stops and the hind end swings away and so it starts to to be a mess and mm -hmm. it's a mess because your your thinking is ahead of your partner you're playing red light green light you know the the game where you're supposed to stop when you hear red light and then you get to go when somebody says green light but and, the, and the, they're trying to catch you out so you're going red light green light <laughs> red light <laughs> and they're not giving time to 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 say okay this is i'm i'm about to say red light 
Right. You signal your intent. Right. You signal your intent. So when you are going to walk off, I always think of the, the great French mind, Marcel Marceau. And there's going to come a time where uh, people will not have that image. But there are video clips of him on YouTube. So if you've never seen Marcel Marceau, go on to YouTube and and watch him. And the, the great classic where he he's in a glass box. Mm. But there is no box. Mm-hmm. And But you can see the box mm-hmm. because he's so brilliant. That yeah. you, you absolutely see the box that he is trapped in. And, and I always think of, of him because he's so good at signaling with his body what is going on. He tells you so much about what is going on. Mm. And so we want to develop that skill of signaling to our partner what is about to happen. I am about to walk off. And so there are all kinds of things that that I can do in preparation to walking off without actually taking a step. You change your breath and then you change, you shift your balance and then you begin to move and it looks like you're going to take a step, but you're not actually walking off, but you're you're drawing it out. So your partner is going, oh, you're about to walk off. Let me move with you. You're signaling your intent. And that way, they're not getting pulled by the lead if they're on a lead. They're not getting left behind. They're not going past you. They're stopping with you. Everything begins to be in harmony. And this is going to make for much better liberty work, much better basic leading, but it's also important when it gets to riding because there's this very peculiar expression, which is your horse is behind your leg, Mm -hmm. which is when you first encounter it, it is the most peculiar expression. What do you Mm -hmm. mean my horse is behind my leg? You know, I'm sitting on top of the horse. I have no idea what that means. Well, it, when you're on the ground, it's very easy to begin to understand what that means. Mm-hmm. So say you're walking around a circle and you walk off, but your horse lags behind you. He is literally behind your leg. And when you get under saddle and your horse is lagging behind, it has that feeling of... I've got to get out and push. (laughs) You know, I've got to keep, I've got to get the engine going. I've got to, you know, I've got to kick this horse and keep kicking this horse because the the horse is not moving. And even when he is walking forward, trotting forward, it always has that lagging behind feel. And so on the ground, one of the things that is useful to teach is this, I'm going to give you this cue that says, we're going to walk off. But as I initiate into movement, I'm going to wait for you, horse, Mm -hmm. to begin to move, to take that step forward. And then I will put me into motion so that we are walking together. Yeah. 
And now in the session, the the participant, she really got it very quickly. And it made you, you saw what a difference it made. You know, it was a big difference. difference. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, one of the things I think maybe that was in the book where you wrote that we need to learn patience. Yes. Yeah, we need to be. And and sometimes, you know, you, you also have to know when it's time to be patient and just wait and when it's time to change something. Yes. But in this case, we're talking about just a few seconds of wait just for the horse to begin the motion and not be two, three steps ahead of the horse. Right. right. And there was something else in that little segment that was interesting is that she, she was going like around, a that may be in a, another session, but she was going around a cone and she wanted her horse to go to the left, but she was feeding the horse to the right. She wasn't feeding in the arc of the turn. Turn, yeah. So I think, you know, again, it's it's part of signaling your intent. It has to be coherent, the signal that you're giving right. to your horse. You know, think think about what you want to set up using your food delivery. Because you have such a great opportunity with the Mm. food delivery to let the horse know what's coming next. So if I want to turn off to the right, then let me feed so that my horse begins to set up for a turn to the right. Again, in the the lesson day that that I had a couple days ago, we were working with a, a pattern that I really love. And I think you've seen me use this, where you have a circle of cones. And in between the cones are mats. So there's the horse is going around the outside of the cones, going from mat to mat to mat to mat to mat. And as he goes around, you begin to push the cones out. So initially, the cones are not in the horse's way. But as you move the cones, the cones are now in the path that the horse would travel to go from this mat to the next mat. So he has to deviate around them. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and then you keep pushing the cones out and the horse has to deviate a bit more and the horse has to deviate a bit more. And it's a really, really useful, powerful lesson. So it's like the pattern of, for me, when I think about this, it's like a flower a little bit. They have to do these little, yes. in the trajectory, they have to do like these little petals. <laughs> Like a flower. Yes. Yes. And when you go out around a cone and come back, the horses come back to the mat at a very different angle Angle. Mm. than he would if he were just going around a circle of mats without cones in the way. So so when he comes back at a steep angle, Mm. but the next cone is out. The opposite, yeah then he, you've really got to set up your turn. Mm. So if, if you're, say, on the left side of the, the horse mm-hmm. and you feed to the left, you're not helping that horse to leave going out around the cone. Mm. You're, you're saying to the horse, well, let's keep going. This direction. This direction to the inside. So, so you're going to use your food delivery. You're going to click. And you're going to feed so the horse starts to move his head 
a little bit to the right and then you fill the space that the horse just opened up and then you click and you feed again and it's it's built on the multiple mat lesson that it's another one that I dearly love and you you set up this turn so that the horse when you leave he's already shifting his balance moving his shoulders over leaving at an angle that allows him then to move out and around the cone. There's a lot more detail to it than that, which we'll go into it here. Well, that's that's why the coaching sessions are there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you go into all the details yeah. and there are lots and lots and lots. But the, the point is you're using your food delivery very dynamically. You're thinking about what is it that I would like to set up? When I wanted to teach the one horse that I was describing earlier to lift his head up, I used the food delivery dynamically to bring his head down so that he would have an opportunity. It set up the opportunity for him to, to do the opposite, which was to lift his head. So we're always using the food delivery dynamically, thinking about what is it that I want to support what is it that I want to set up? What is it that I want to emphasize? This is a good place to stop. Dominique is about to change the topic slightly. We're going to talk about the metaphor of a film strip and how that applies to teaching great balance, both on the ground and under saddle. That's where we'll pick up again in the next conversation. And remember, you can order my new book, Modern Horse Training, from my website, theclickercenter.com, or from Amazon and other booksellers. And if you order it from Amazon, do please leave a five-star review. That definitely helps others to find the book. I certainly want my training to be modern. I want my training to be up to date. And I also want other parts of my life to reflect the modern age that I live in. So I have decided, somewhat reluctantly, I have to say, I've decided to dip my toe a bit further into social media. Anyone who knows me knows that I am a very reluctant user of social media, but I have begun posting on Instagram. You can find me at alexandra.curland.5. I'll say that again. It's alexandra.curland.5. I have no idea where the five came from, but there it is. And I have to say, I'm, I'm actually been enjoying posting to Instagram. It's been fun to share some of my favorite photos of the horses and to share the stories behind those photos. What is it about the photo that I like? It's been a bit like going through the box where you keep all the family photos and taking the time to remember what was going on when that particular picture was taken. So come find me on Instagram and share in the clicker training stories. And next week, we'll have part two of our conversation where we talk about film strips and other interesting metaphors. In the meantime, train well and have fun with your horses. Music